for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. They say that as long as stories are shared about folks around the campfire, those folks, their lives and their stories, well, they live on through us. Well, y'all, welcome again to our campfire and get ready for our stories about a man that was no doubt bigger than life. A man some of the bros never had the opportunity to meet in person, but a man known by all of us and still to this very day, a huge part of the heart and soul of the Elk Bros crew. So get your dog sitting by the chair, grab your favorite sipping whiskey, because you're about to get both barrels and meet the one and only Carl Arlen Gamage. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And joining me tonight, we got the whole Elk Bros crew. That's white, right? We got the Venezuelan mafia in the house, uh, Mr. Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterón. And we've got the legend. That's right. From Cuesta, New Mexico. Mexico. Mr. R.C. Knox is in the house. <laughs> and we've got your elk hunting coaches from Cimarron, New Mexico. WWJGD is in the house. And the ninja, Leroy Chavez. Happy New Year's, brothers. How y'all doing? Happy New Year's. New Year's, man. We're back on the grind now, fellas. 
Yep. Yes, and we're going to start. Star. We're going to start this year out, man. And I tell you what, guys, man, 2023, bring it. It's going to be epic. Looking forward to it. So many cool things on the agenda. Things that, uh, or, <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. My son Logan started us out right on January the first. He knocked down a big old South Texas dojo, so we already spilled blood in twenty twenty three. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean, uh you've been up there with the mafia, you guys have been pig hunting, you guys have been deer hunting. Um a lot of cool things happen. Um some stuff that and, and it's man, we're always learning. We're always finding something out about the animals we chase and about ourselves. I think that's just kind of an intertwined thing, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, some stuff that our listeners can be looking forward to, to seeing uh, on some things that me and the mafia have done up in Oklahoma, the mafia themselves. I tell you, I couldn't have a better heartwarming picture. I don't have it in front of me, but a guy sent me a picture the other day, an amazing sunset, an amazing sunset with a young man who's sitting in a blind with his daddy. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah. learning. And his mom. About, and his mama and his little sister. Yep. And he's learning about how to be a man. Yes, so, sir. Manano, yes, I, can't, sir. I, can't, I can't thank yeah. you enough for that picture yeah. and for what you're doing no, with your kids. Actually, if you raise your kids in the woods, brother, you won't be looking for them when they get older. Yeah. No, actually, Beto, uh, uh, this time I'll be, I'll be the one thanking you because you gave me the best piece of advice I'd ever had in my whole life, how to raise kids. And actually you are a, a model to, 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 to follow in, on that particular topic. In, <laughs> the advice. Yeah, let's Right, right. <laughs> but the advice to take my kids with, with, you know, Candice. Swim edition comes yeah. out next month. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. That's round, baby. Oh, no, oh, no, no, man. I'm serious. The advice. How do I erase that from my head now? Man, the advice you gave me to, to, to make it about, about, about him and the blind. It, I mean, it was amazing. And that's one the of picture. the most. That's one of the most captivating pictures mm -hmm. I've seen. I don't know if you can see. Time. Like, I got some reflex. Yeah. Oh my gosh! He's seeing that the sunset here. is the sunset's amazing, and he's he's looking over that thing, anticipating the deer. I've been there In, uh, as a child, <clears throat> remembering hunting with my grandfather sitting on his lap, and I mean, those are those are days that. They just shape and mold, yeah, man. Man, you know. It was an amazing moment. Yeah. I, I honestly enjoyed it. And, uh, and I told Anna, and I told I, 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 Anna, I said, Anna, uh, this is Beto's idea. So I brought uh, <laughs> chocolates. I brought the, the, the little uh, <laughs> iPad and everything. So he yeah. was he was really calm and uh, and also he was really quiet. Yeah, and and, and so it cool, was. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, we have been hunting that place for at least three and a half, almost four years. Yeah, sure. And I never, I, I never seen before hogs right in the middle of the, uh, of the, of the, of the entry. Uh huh. And the, the following morning, we got a, a like 15 to 15, 10 to 15 pigs right in front of us for, I would say, 30 minutes. Wow. Right there. Right there. In the open and field. He, in the open field. That's all. Man, and, and, and he got the opportunity to see all those things and he was so excited. 
in Clara yeah, as well, but yeah. Tomas was, you know, he was awesome. and I, happy. I, I, I know Joe's been after us to get content to him and stuff like that. We've got months worth of stuff coming at you, Joe. So uh, you guys keep ch- keep checking our YouTube channel. We're going to start putting some of that stuff out. It's really cool, especially with the kids. I mean, I had my daughter kill one of her largest bucks she's ever killed, a, a buck that we've been chasing for the last three and a half years. His name was Mufasa. Um, it was an epic mm-hmm. story, an epic ending to the story. So, um, you know, Logan's been just a terror with his bow all year long. So, um, and he just loves to bow hunt, you know. And, uh, and, and something else, man, that's never happened before. I'm 53 years old and my wife does not hunt, but my son got a coyote call or a, a, a daggum, uh, predator call, a Fox Pro predator call. Not that we're sponsored by Fox Pro. And it's a shameless plug for them. But at the end <laughs> of the day, it's a really cool call. And he took his mama and him and went and sat in a blind and turned that call on. They called in a couple of coyotes and she let him shoot those coyotes while she was in the blind. And that has never happened. And now Kelly is now called, you know, says I'm a professional coyote hunter. So <laughs> he's, uh, she, if Logan awesome. talks about going hunting coyotes, man, she's got to go. So those who don't know, Kelly, she's strong with the force. The force yeah. is strong with her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a fact. She's super strong and, uh, you know, she can lift Beto me. up and let him drop. From yeah. thousands of miles away, yeah. Yeah. she can take me to the highest point. Just a the chair right. out from under me, real that's quick, boys. Actually, that's the, the only time that I have seen Beto going like <laughs> real serious, like yes, ma'am. Okay, yes, ma'am. Okay. On the yes, side ma'am. of a mountain, right. no wolves, no horns, no hides. You better listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Tucker, Tucker's got to use the phone. I don't give a damn about Tucker. I'm talking to you, man. You hear me? <laughs> uh, she's a piece of work, man. But it's been an awesome start to the new year, Joe. Uh, fellas, you know, we want to get this thing kicked off. You know, we, uh, we love everyone, but tonight's topic is very near and dear to my heart. So if you don't mind, I'm going to put some coal in the engine and let's get this train headed in the right direction and head over to our Elk Bros mailbox. Okay. Chad, you uh, think you can help us out with that, brother? Yeah, I think so. Uh, this is from Craig Sawyer, Sauer from Spokane, Washington. He says, love your podcast. I turned 50 this past summer and harvested my first elk this September. Thanks to pointers from you guys. Paul Medell and the Elk Collective. I called in a small bull solo to 12 yards. Wow. He went maybe he went maybe 40 yards and crashed. First archery kill, including solo breakdown and pack out. E- epic day. So I'm interested. I'm interested to know if any of you would recommend the Easy V site as a simplified site system. One pin seems not enough, and three pins too many. <laughs> I'm hunting I'm hunting the thicker stuff in North Idaho, so my range will be like forty yards and under. Any feedback on this side for elk? Thank you much, Craig. Uh Craig, it so happens that Joe Gillia shoots the E Z V, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I so does RC. Oh. Oh, yeah. So is our and I know I have one somewhere, but it's not on my bow yet. So we'll see. <laughs> That's a hit, hit, bro. Get it on my bow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Luis, yeah. 
So, so wait a second now, Chad. Before you, you go harassing me about that EVP, I want to know if there's a commitment to be shooting that bow come September. Well, yeah, once it warms up, up outside, I'll I'll get out there and start. All right, all right. Here we go, man. We got it right. Looking forward to seeing you grouping arrows again, brother. Let me tell you guys, though, man, I got an email and a whole story that's going to go on our website from Craig. This was just uh, phenomenal, man. Uh, Just really cool that he goes out. Um, Bull went down in 40 yards. And when I hear somebody say, you know, I, I had a bull at 12 yards, solo calling, he's learned something right there. And then when he says that bull went down in 40 yards after the hit, you and I yeah. both know that's two holes, right? Absolutely. Oh, right. Put it, put it in the right place on there. So, uh, pretty good. Like your, cool. your sight system's working good for you, brother. I'm, mm. a, I'm above, I'm, I'm the guy that don't break, fix what ain't broke. So <laughs> you keep calling them into 12 yards. You can use all them pins. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You can pretty much do that, man. Just put it right on the side of the body. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and he, you know, okay, so I have the EZV. Right. RC is using the EZV now, and I'll let. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna let RC uh, start here in a second before I even talk about it, because I'll talk a little bit more about it. But when somebody says that one pin seems like not enough and three pins seem too many, get two. Get two. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If, if, if I have me, if I have me a pin for 20 and I have me a pin for 40, right? I'm pretty much good for everything right there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. And, if he ain't shooting past 40 yards, man, I'll probably go 25 and 40, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always an even dude. I don't know. I, it's just. That's like when you guys were describing deer and you were like, oh, that deer's three and a half. I was like, what? Well, it's just because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where the season you, falls in the yeah. bird. Yeah. And when you see, when you see a deer his first year, he's going to be eight months old. Yeah. You know? Right. So yeah. That, that's why we always I, say I, I get it now, but like I was old. like three and a half, you know. <laughs> oh, I, I said it because I repeat all the beta says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, and that's it. I don't, I don't want to learn. So, R.C., why don't you, you know, you're shooting the EZV. What do you think about it? Well, I love the EZV because uh, I was an instinctive shooter for forever and with my recurve. And when I picked that compound up with the with the sights, I was starting to fight the little peep, and I couldn't see – my sights or the pins that well and if I put my glasses on I could see the pins perfect but I couldn't see the target. Yeah. So I was having trouble with my my eyesight and by putting the easy V on it really made a lot of difference. I mean I was like, okay, there's it's a it's a no brainer when you start when you learn how to use it. And uh I, I really like it. It's just, what kind of time commitment is it, RC, to get to feeling like you, you know, you're proficient with it out to 40 or 50 yards? Well, I think Joe could answer that because, uh, uh we, he was, he, uh, both of us, I mean, I'm still shooting mine a lot and trying to get where I feel real, real comfortable with it. But I, I think that 
it's just like anything. You you got to practice. Yep. Get used to it. And I don't think it's any more time consuming than pins. But you know, if you're going to use pins, I definitely think two pins, one for twenty and one for what forty or sixty or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's and the nice. and the reason for that being. Man, it's just like Gilbert always talks about his first time when that animal comes up on you, man, is that when everything gets so hot and close and intense, man, it, uh, you can lose your crap, man. I mean, it's just, you know, and the simpler, the more simplified, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, I just, I, you know, and that's why some people have where you can dial them and everything mm-hmm. like that. And even if I had a dial one, the only time that would come up for me where it'd be beneficial is if I had an animal at a distance that was relaxed and I could then go ahead and, and pop mm-hmm. a range on that with a range finder. If that's, you know, it, because that's what you got to do to be critical with that. And sure. then, you know, you have everything to do that. I mean, and I, I would love having that one pin. I would actually be a one pin dial guy. If I did do pins, I'd be a one pin dial guy and I would have that pin set at 30. Yeah, and that's I would what know, most of the guys do. 30. And I would know where that pin has to be on an animal at 20, where it needs to be on that animal at 40, 50, because it's no different than me being instinctive and shooting my bow. You know, when I'm looking at something, I'm relating my left right to where my arrow is in my peripheral and my and my gap between that and it's no different than having that pin out there doing that so you just learn by being behind it and learn what your weapon does in in those situations but that easy v um i'll just so that you guys if you've never seen one i'm going to go ahead and show you what the the easy v does um this is the easy v um it's kind of a a drawing version of it, but basically it's a V like this. And what you're doing is you go ahead and you're setting your easy V according to your bow speed at 20 yards, your bow speed at 20 yards. And mathematically what that does is accordingly, according to what you have in that V at 20 yards, you should be able to slide that V up until your kill zone is in that V and it's going to basically automatically range it for you. And I mean, you're just putting it up. And if you know the kill size of that animal, you know, you're going to put it up and you're going to pop. Now we were messing with some camp robbers um, and, uh, you know, they were a small object. So people were like, well, what if it's smaller? I'm telling you what, once you understand your weapon and how it's going to shoot at certain distances, it didn't matter. I mean, I'm shooting 20 yards at 10 yards because my bow shoots that flat in the way that it shoots. So, um, you just learn by getting behind your bow, but the easy V allows you, I don't use a peep. You can use a peep. I don't use one. You would use a peep. To, to make sure that your anchor's the same every time. I use a kisser button and a Bomar because I don't want anything in front of my eye. Just as long as my anchor is the same every time that it goes back, I should be able to put my bow up and squeeze off and it's there. 
And you had to get the big, the big Bomar nose button, huh? Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, extra large Bomar. Yeah, extra nose large nose. Bomar. <laughs> actually, bro, I need the small one because oh, my nose gets yeah. way out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know some people are jealous about that. You know, I, I, I understand. You know, there's, there's certain things that relate, you know, and me and Manano understand that, you know, we're <laughs> no, Manano never understands. <laughs> but <laughs> so, yes, how long, how yes, long did it take you to feel comfortable after you switched over to the easy B? You know what? It, it, it took me a while, but it took me a while for a different reason. It took me a while because I've never used a release before. Yeah. And I was really, really struggling trying to find, an anchor point, something on, on, you know, that I came back that I was consistent at. Once I discovered that and I got everything locked in, it was a whole different ball game. Now I will tell you this, even before I got comfortable with that release, I set that easy V and I don't know if you guys remember this. I was at hit or miss archery in Albuquerque, the best archery shop in New Mexico. I'm at hit or miss and I go on their outdoor range, I'm sorry, indoor range, and they've got 3D targets, unknown, all in different places. I get it set. I'm feeling good at 20, and I just go over and I shoot five arrows at five different animals at different distances from 50 yards to 20 yards. Mm. And every single one of them were a kill. Pop, 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 pop. And that right there was huge for me. That's yeah, cool. I know. I, I picked your bow up and shot it at 30, 40 yards and never, you know, thought twice about it. I shot a little bit high every time, but it's just, but I mean, left and right was dead, dead, I mean, dead bullseye, you know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it's something definitely you'd have to get used to. What I think it really helps a lot of people with is with target panic. You don't get it, you know? Uh, you're not centering one piece on something and when that piece ain't there, you're letting your arrow go anyway because you get that target panic, you know. And uh, I think it really helps a lot with the target panic problem. Well, you know, uh, one thing I found easy. about it, though, that I had to do, Gilbert, was if I was paying attention to the V, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, I got to look and put everything in that. If I paid attention to the V, it I didn't shoot as good as if I was looking at my point right. and put it up and let my mind see the V and mm -hmm. take care of it and squeeze sure. off. Right. Sure. So uh, I do the same thing with pins. I, the pin is a reference for me. It's not necessarily like exactly. I, I know my bow and I shoot it enough and I back shooting it quite a bit more. Uh, but again, the pin is kind of a reference for me. It's just in my in the general vicinity. Good. You know, it feels right. I'm letting it go. Um, for, for me, I've been a pin shooter my whole life. It's what I've trained up with. I shoot all the way out to a hundred yards with pins. Um, but again, I'm very, I've been in the trenches. I've been through the pressure. So the, the part of like, like you're saying, Joe, when you're in that heat of that moment, everything run out the crack of your butt that you thought you knew. I've been in that pressure cooker and it doesn't get on me like that anymore. Right. You know, when a bull's coming in, I'm, I'm already killed. You know, I've already killed him where he's coming in. I've already killed him. I know how far he is. I know which pen I'm going to rock with. And, but again, it's all what you train with, you know? Yeah. So Craig, if you put that thing on your bow and you keep training with it, shoot, dude, you're going to be yeah. lethal, especially yeah. calling bulls in 12 yards, my brother. 
Oh yeah, you don't have to worry about twelve yards. <laughs> yeah, hey, are you sure to say something? Because I have yeah, something. I mean, I have a different perspective on the ECV, and I've been hesitant to try it. But it's just, and, and again, what I'm about to say comes from somebody that has not used it yet. And the reason why I haven't used it yet, and it really hasn't caught my full 100% convincement, is that in my mind, if I have a small animal at a close range, that vital at some point is going to be the same side as a big animal or farther out range. So if I'm setting up that EZV at the exact same spot and that V, how is that accounting for my distance between the two? Again, it's just the way. So, so you don't because what you're doing is basically the EZV is taken up about the size of a basketball. So it's just a little over 12 inches. It's about 14, 15 inches. And once you understand that size thing, if I see whatever I'm shooting, if it's a grouse, I know that I've got to put that grouse within that 15 inches there to hit my center. Do you follow me? I don't fill up my V because that grouse is at 20 yards. So I'm still using my 20-yard V that I would on an elk. I'm using it the same way. Now, on an elk, I'm going to slide that vital no matter what. But if I'm dealing with another animal, I have to understand what that V is targeting in on and how much smaller that critter is on it. Dude, I was shooting, I was shooting targets like this at 20 yards. And so you were, you were basically using the pin references on the side versus the actual V placement. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So yeah. And, and again, see, you know, I, I find more, but this is just me. I, I you know, unless I try, right? right? But in my mind, I find more simplicity annoying my pins and right. and actually in my mind too if you aim small miss small you hit miss small and then so you're aiming for a specket like a point or something on that animal as opposed to the vitals and again this is but coming see, from somebody that has not used it and but I do uh, that, doesn't though. understand it right? and, and that's what i was trying to say a second ago if i pay attention to the v i have yeah. problems what I have to do is I have to look at my spot. I aim very small. I'm looking at my spot and I'm letting my mind just because, and you got to practice, dude. I mean, you got to get behind it. You got to shoot, shoot, shoot. And, and I'm used to doing that instinctively. So I do that and it gives me a whole lot better feel for where I've got to be, you know, when I'm there. Now I will say this though. When I killed my bull this year and that bull came up, and he stood broadside at 30 yards. I pulled back and was getting ready to squeeze off like my mind was back to my instinctive, uh, right? Right back I to mean, what you trained. I, I almost made a huge mistake. I looked at that animal. I pulled back. I look at that spot like I was shooting my old bow. And all of a sudden I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I got to go through my process, right? I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm making sure I'm anchored. I'm looking. And I'm squeezing, pop. And that actually delayed me to where the bull took a step just as I squeezed, right? Sure. So, you know, what I was going to tell you, Craig, is, man, if you are used to those pins and you're used to everything that you have and everything set up for you, I would try a two-pin system, man. I don't think I would go to taking those off 
Um, if that's something that you're used to and you're comfortable with, just simplify it a little bit, you know. Um, I like the EZV. It works for me. I'm an instinctive shooter. Plus, yeah. part of me like is like being refusing. I think it's my attitude more than anything. It's kind of like, no, I don't, I don't want to do all that stuff that these guys do, right? I want to be different. So. No, Joe, I think Craig has a really good opportunity to be able to go to a one pin site or even a two, but a one pin for sure and dial it. You can dial that thing to 30. And I mean, you hit 30 and in, you just, you just put it where you want to. Yep, absolutely. You're going to be, d- depending on what kind of bow he shoots and how heavy an arrow he shoots, right? Sure. Uh, if he's shooting a heavy arrow set up like Luis in 700 grains, I mean, he's going to have a little bit of an arc and that bo- it's going to shoot up. It's probably not going to be as high as you would think at 20 and 10 yards is at 30. You know what I mean? So it's probably not going to make that big a difference. Now, if he's shooting one of them faster nuclear bows, it ain't going to make a hill of beans. He's going to be a couple inches higher than he is at 20 and 10. He just aims a little low. He aims at the knuckle or that level and lets it rip. And then once he gets out to 40, he just dials it up to 40 and goes about his business. Well, if you have it at that 30, I wouldn't even worry about dialing 40. Now, if yeah, I had to trade it out to 60 high. or something like that, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. But shooting at the top of I, his back, top of the I will tell back. you one advantage that I have over the pins is I don't have to worry about my pins getting bumped. That easy V mm. is, I mean, ain't yeah. nothing going to change. It, man. No. And look, I went through that this year twice, twice, man. Once, once whitetail hunting and one, and I did not, and, and this is my own fault. You guys take a look. I'll shoot a six pin uh, spot hog site. It's got a lockdown, uh, uh, what do you call those, uh, Allen head screw. It's got a lockdown one and then it has a dial on top where you can, if you back that lockdown screw off a little bit, then you can dial your sight up and down for when you're, you know, doing 3Ds or whatever, you can adjust your windage and stuff like that and know, all right, now from 60, I could go 80, 90, 100 yeah. if you dial that thing up or down, right? Sure. So. But that's only if you don't have the lockdown. Well, mine had backed off and I didn't know it. And every time I'd pass a piece of brush or something, we'd twist that knob, right? I mean, to where I was shooting a foot high at 50 yards, I mean, it was crazy. So, I, you know, I, I backed it back down. And then I went, me and Logan, and went hog hunting. And Logan, I shot a hog and we went trepsing through the woods trying to find him and everything and uh through some really thick brush. I go back to the camp and I knew I'd drug my bow around through the brush. I said, but I ain't making that mistake again. I shot six and a half, seven inches high. Yeah. I'm like, what is the deal, man? So I got on the phone. I got on the phone to my dadgum, uh, to my dadgum archery shop and I said, man, I asked, I called and said, I need to talk to Richard. So I talked to Richard. He goes, Oh man. He goes, I know what it is. He said, that dial's dialing when you're going through the, the brush. You don't have your lockdown nut tight. I'm like, lockdown nut? What are you talking about? He goes, he showed, he told me where it was and you know, we were FaceTiming and he, he said, you tighten that one down. I tighten it down. Shoo, dude. We were ready to rock and roll. And he told me to scar where mine is all the time so I can tell if it's moved up and down. Are, are, are you saying he said you had a screw loose? Is that what he said? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to just reiterate a point that RC made. You know, because I know I, was I had, pro- I, 
Yeah, for a long, long time, I had perfect eye vision. I could see a miles. Mm -hmm. I could see anything close. But uh, about 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, I started to get reading glasses. And I, that point he made about the pins, that's going to happen to all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, easy B is going to be yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. So, it's happened so happen to me. I'm sure it I got stigmatism. with his wisdom. Again. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Like that day I got yeah, burned my tongue, and he said, yeah, and it's going to happen again. Yeah, they're calm. That's the thing, though, is that the one thing about it is that Easy V is bulletproof, man. Once you've got everything on there, it's pretty dang bulletproof. Guys, you know what time it is. It's time oh, to no. bro shout out. Oh, if you're new to our show, this is just shout out to our followers <laughs> with a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yeah, absolutely, man. And guys, I want you to pay attention to the names of these places. They get the award for the most unusual names we have ever had <laughs> in a group on our podcast, man. So this week's number one top listening city is a small city located in the North Georgia mountains, part of the Appalachian Trail, which I've been on about an hour's <laughs> drive north of Atlanta. If you're into history, there is a historic mint that created gold coins in 1838 or the Araria, Araria Indian mounds that date back to get this, 1000 AD in Ooh. Dahlonega, Georgia. Dahlonega, Georgia. <laughs> All right. Dahlonega, Georgia. Dahlonega, Georgia. Awesome. This small town of about 7,000 in Comal County is about 30 miles north of San Antonio. Come on by and enjoy the city's nature park, a 200-acre nature preserve with hiking trails, a fishing pond, and a variety of native plants and animals in Volverde, Texas. He pronounced it right, too, man. Oh, I was going to say Volverde. Volverde is, is <laughs> one, of the, one of the places where one of the largest whitetails has ever been taken in, uh, in, in the Camp Belverde uh, buck that was taken there, so uh, in Comal County. I mean, it is the epic epicenter of the hill country, man. Really? You, yeah, oh man, a beautiful, beautiful place. So if you guys are ever in Texas and want to come see a really beautiful place between there and Garner, Garner State Park, man, Bolverde, Texas is a beautiful spot. I would have said Bolverde, but there you go. Bolverde. Bolverde. Big O. That's what it is by Texas. Next up, Joe, home to one of the few beautiful historic covered bridges left in the state. Our next top listening city is about an hour's drive south of the Twin Cities and home to an annual square dance event that brings together square dancers from all over the region in Zombrota, Minnesota. Zombrota. Minnesota. Zombrota. Zombrota. Just south of St. Paul. We've had... Zumbrota. Are they Zumbrota? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, man, there's some people. Um, let's see, how different can we make this name sound, man? <laughs> <laughs> Settled in the 1800s and located just a short drive from the shores of Lake Michigan and 12 minutes from downtown Grand Rapids is the home of the Jenison High School Fighting Blue Jays. If you're hungry after a game, Dig into the famous fried chicken and even famous, sir, silly <laughs> dogs at Bird Dogs Restaurant, Jenison, Michigan. Jenison, Michigan. Jenison, Michigan. Oh, it sounds delicious. Chili dogs. Chili dogs. Bird dogs. 
Well, I like the even famouser. 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 That's some more Texas lingo, right? Yeah. <laughs> y'all too? You hungry? <laughs> y'all too? All righty, y'all. Pull up a chair. Put on your favorite cowboy hat, if you got one, and hold the hands up to the fire, man, and really get ready. Time to meet Carl Arlen Gamage. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, man, in fact, uh, what I'm going to do is, you know, we just talked to you, heard us in the intro when we were talking about, uh, the cowboy hat and the dog there. I'm going to go get uh, mine on just for effect. This year, this year is, uh, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, too. we, we had a lot of, we've had a lot of people in the last three years that has heard us talk about Carl. And it seems like, um, after the first time somebody asked, it was probably about the fifth time that somebody asked said that I hear y'all talk about Carl all the time. Can y'all tell us about Carl and, and how he's involved? Cause you've, you've, you've heard a little bit, um, uh, quite a bit in, in the stories. If you know us, believe it or not, you know Carl. And, uh, this was Carl Gamage, the dog bandit right there. <laughs> don't, don't let the face scare you, you know, uh, because, uh, that was Carl right there. And, but, but at the same time, um, this is something that, uh, this is something that is also Carl. And I'll tell you, uh, that young lady in that picture right daughter. there daughter. is my daughter in her 16th birthday. She loved horses, and I think she had been riding when she was just a little tyke. Um, in fact, her sister got on a runaway horse. And I told Carl, I said, uh, I said, Carl, I said, Ash, man, her thing is she'd just really like to go on a horse ride. And and what do you think Carl said? Hell, you say. <laughs> <laughs> we make that happen, son. Yes, sir. And uh, so, uh, and and here was the cool thing is, you know, I took Ashley all the way up there into the Martinez where Carl, that was, that was Carl's place. And, um, he could have got her on the horse, rode her around the meadow a little bit and brought her in. Mm-hmm. Now, this dude does not do things halfway mm-hmm. ever, ever, you know, um, when, when I, uh, took her up there, they got on the horses and took off. Three hours later, <laughs> three hours later, man, they, they had gone not on trails, man. They went all the way up through Windy Gap. They came all the way across the knob. They came all the way down the church. They went over into the patch. I mean, he just toured that place over there. Um, with my daughter and gave her the memory of a lifetime, something that I've, that I've never wow. forgot. And, uh, you know, I'm going to throw some of these out because it might get some juices going just a little bit. Uh, you might even be able, and for, and for y'all that are listening, if you go on our YouTube, we're doing this right off early. So if you want to see some of those photos, you can see it on the YouTube channel. But, uh, here's another picture that, wow. uh, that I have there. And I don't know who this young dude is over here. Next to <laughs> and my hair is not white in that picture. And there's knots exactly. back there. And there's uh, yeah. there's Carl over on the side. And if you want to see a Carl smile, put him in camouflage on a hunt. <laughs> Absolutely. Shooting his recurve. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember that hunt. It was, it's really the last hunt that he went on, Joe. Um, and an unbelievable hunt with some unbelievable people. I mean, there's Bill Watson, whom I, I love and adore. Ricky Thompson, we call him Ricky T. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, Bill Watson calls him Gandalf. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we love Ricky T. He's, he's guided my kids when they were young, little, little tykes. And, um, those are two Christian men that are good men. Uh, and we got to, we got to hunt with RC Knox that year and, and, uh, and Carl Gamage and yourself. And, uh, it was a big time, man. Um, all involved or had, a, had an amazing hunt and, uh, Carl enjoyed that hunt. I actually killed my first cow I ever killed in my life, uh, with Carl that day. Um, and we had a bull coming in and he couldn't believe I passed the bull to kill the cow, but, uh, she got in the way. So, and I told him, I said, there was no way I was going to ruin that thing without, you know, let him ruin it when that cow walked out at 30 yards and he couldn't believe it, man. It was a, a joyous occasion and that picture just simplifies the whole hunt. I mean, we had well, a blast. And here's one thing I want, I want y'all to look at too, man. I mean, Look at Joe Delia there. I'm probably about 225 at the time. Oh, oh Joe. But, Yo. but I want you to look at, I want you to look at so-called Big O beside me yeah. there. And I'm trying to figure if it's the angle he's turning. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was 240, it was 245, 250 there, Joe. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so I'm like, solid. I was like, dude can, can be there, man. You look sure. good there, man. I want yeah. to see that dude again next year. Me too. You still yeah. look at the bow. What's Dude, that? Yeah, look, same bow I shoot today. Same bow. Yep. Same bow I shoot today, brothers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Killed a lot of critters with that bow. <laughs> ain't over yet. I have seen several. Mm-hmm. So who wants to start out to let people know, give a little picture of, 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 uh, of Carl? Let's talk about who the man was. <laughs> R.C. Knox, can you and tell us the first time you met Carl? <laughs> yeah, well, that would be. You know, Carl had that shop up there at Angel Fire, and it was a tire shop and welding shop and everything. And, of course, me and him were like brothers, and I'd always go up there and, and try to see him as much as I could when we weren't hunting. And undoubtedly, you'd drive up. Walk up to the door, and first thing out of his mouth is, "What the hell do you want?" <laughs> you know, I just want to talk to you, Carl. You know, and it was like, "What the hell do you want?" You know, and then yeah. after after that was over, and then it, the icing was broke. You know, it, it was. I've got a ton of stories that we could tell, but uh, yeah, he's quite a guy. I mean, he was. Uh, you go through life and you, you meet like these guys here, uh, on my brothers here that the same as, as Carl, you run into people that are, are, that you're not afraid to share what your intimate, uh, secrets and just, you, you just got a love for them. And that's the way Carl was. And it was, it was pretty devastating to, to lose him and uh, it was like losing my right arm, but he's in a better place now. Uh, yeah. Sure. 
For sure, and it affected you tremendously, huh, R.C.? I mean, you oh, had to step away from hunting altogether, and it's like losing a brother, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I stepped away for, what, three years? Yeah. yeah. But let me tell you what, dude, I got to spend some time. Me and Chav got to spend some time out in the woods with R.C. and Carl. You know, we, uh, in fact, there's a place. Oh, you're um, going to tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down here. I was going to tell it, but go ahead. Well, I don't know how, I, I got to be careful how I tell it, but. Oh, yeah, you have to. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same Please thing. Please be careful how oh, yeah, we, uh, tell, we tell this story. Well, you know, uh, the, to begin with, Carl didn't wear underwear. <laughs> the only time, the only time he wore underwear is hunting. Now, I'm trying to figure out how you knew this, bro. Well, oh. I had the same damn room with him. I mean, you know. Yeah, I get out of bed. Alcohol, and you're like, like, oh, like the bread hell, right there, man. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and he said, I hate these damn underwear. I have to wear them when damn hunting camp. And guys, you know, they don't know what they're going to think, you know. <laughs> he was always, okay, always looking out know. for his client, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so, Carl... Knowing those facts, we're on a hunt together up in this area, and uh, the four of us, and we're supposed to be going to different areas, right? You know, RC's going to go check this area out, and uh, Carl's going to check this area out, and Chow's going, I'm going one way, you know, and, and Carl, while he's out there, had, oh, I can tell that story better than you can. There, I want to, we're, we're walking together. Me and, him, to, me and Carl, let me finish the end on it, okay? okay. You, tell the, you tell that part. I'll tell, of yeah, I'll tell this story. You know, me and Carl walking together, and we've been walking a long ways. And we had met up, and and we're headed back to camp, and, and he's like, I hate these damn underwear. Hold on a minute. And he stops, you know, and he jerks his knife out and he drops his pants and he grabs a hold of his shorts on one side and he cuts it here and he cuts it here and he just yanks them out of his pants and he throws them and they land in the tree. <laughs> yeah. And y'all went about hunting. And we went on hunting, you know. <laughs> tidy Tidy ways are off in the trees. <laughs> I'll let Joe tell the rest of the story. <laughs> So we all hunted that day, and uh that evening we were all back at camp around the campfire there and and uh you know we're all telling our stories about yeah, this bull and that bull, and you you guys know how Chav is, right, and Chav just kind of sits there a little quiet, stories are going on, stories are going on, and stuff and and Chav he kind of says, well. I saw something funny today <laughs> he says like, well, he says, well." I was walking through the woods and I looked up and there was a pair of underwear up in the tree. Carl goes, you cheat. Carl does it walk. You are a Aaron, yeah, you were following us. You must have been following us. <laughs> oh, save. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it was awesome. And, and you weren't supposed to be in there, man. Oh, yeah. Chad yeah, decided you'd cut, cut across his trails, huh? Yeah. You gotta watch. It's the quiet dudes you gotta watch out for. Oh, always. Yeah. The guy was larger than life. I'll never forget mm-hmm. the first time I talked to him on my phone, man. He was gruff as hell. Really didn't act like he'd give a shit whether I come hunting with him or not. And, uh, it was almost an inconvenience, you know, <laughs> I get along great with those guys. You know, as Luis can attest, I've come up through the oil fields. So, 
you know, my job as a field salesman was to go out there and see company men on the wolf. And they've been up all night fighting this, that, or the other, and people pissing them off all night. And I walk in there, and, and generally I can say something funny, get their minds right, and get along with those guys. So I was really adapt to, to dealing with a guy like him. And all my coaches were hard guys and whatnot. So when I talked to him on the phone, man, he was just so, y'all have heard me tell this story. I mean, I called him up on the phone. Oh, he answers the phone. Like, oh, I mean, he's just so gruff, you know, and he not, you know, not custom hunting services, just Carl or, you know, Carl's tire shop, where it was. Yeah. He's like, oh, I said, uh, yes, sir. Is, uh, this Carl Gamage? Which sure the hell is. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Mr. Gamage, I got your number from Terry Bar T. And it got really quiet and he, I could, he was, he was doing something and he stopped and he says, and I said, well, he said, you're an elk outfitter in New Mexico and I'd like to come up and bow hunt elk. My wife wants to give me a trip for my, and he goes, who do you say told you about me? I said, Terry Barty. He goes, Oh, I know Terry. That's Ronnie's brother. I said, yeah. I said, uh, that's right. He said, hey, that's good people. I said, yes, sir. He said, you want to come up here and come bow hunt and elk? I said, yes, sir. He said, where are you from? I said, from Houston, <laughs> Texas. He said, hell you say. You know, he said, you want to come up here? He goes, now listen, I'm going to tell you this shit's hard, Gilbert. He said, um, I ain't lying. He said, this is daggum hard country. He said, I came from down there. He goes, I'm from that, uh, that country. You know, Carl, Grew up, uh, down here and, and his, his daddy had died when he was young. He drowned and, uh, Carl was raised up by his mama and various rounds. He went through the military and then when he got out of the military, his wife, uh, worked in some laundromats and this, that and the other. And Carl was a ranch manager in the Thompson Bottom, which is a really cool spot here outside of town through just between Needville and Sugarland in the Thompson Bottom on a very famed ranch called the George Ranch. And he was the ranch manager for them. Uh, a rodeo cowboy, bull road. I mean, you name it. Push troops in Vietnam. This guy was a man's man. And when he talked to you, you knew you were talking to a man's man. My uncle Skeeter, who passed away a few years, y'all heard me talk about him. He reminded me a lot of Carl. My uncle had this thousand yard stare about him. And, you know, he was in Vietnam, pushed troops in Vietnam, was a gunny sergeant. Same thing as Carl. They all had that thousand yard look about him. And when he talked to you, he didn't just talk to you like when he's looking, talking to you, he's looking away. No, he would look you right in the eye and talk to you and like he's talking to your soul, you know, but on the phone, he's that intense too. You know, he's like telling me everything that could go wrong. And he's like, after you heard all of this, you still want to come up here? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to send you a contract. I said, well, do you want to email it? I don't email that bullshit. He said, I'm mailing it to you. He said, you sign it, send me some money and send it back. If I ain't got it back in two weeks, you're off the list. I said, well, okay. Man, about two, about two or three days goes by and I get a certified letter from him and it's a contract. I sign the contract, send it back to him. My phone rings a few days later and it's him. Well, I'll be damned. You answered the phone. I said, yeah, I answered the phone. He said, I got your money. You're on the list. He said, uh, and, uh, you can come. I said, well, 
Do you have any other spots available? Yeah, I got like six spots available. I said, well, I got some friends. What kind of friends? He said, I don't do assholes. <laughs> I don't do assholes. I Straight up what he said. I don't yeah. do assholes. I said, oh, no, I don't have no buddies like that. I said, y'all are from Texas. There's lots of assholes down there. <laughs> <laughs> you need to beat the mafia, man. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're from Texas. There's lots of assholes down there. I mean, I'll never forget it, you know. And, uh, so we, you know, we made a plan and it was me and several other guys that came into camp. I think I, I, we sold the camp out, you know, and, uh, I had six hunters in camp or five. I can't remember. And we had a big time, man. And, uh, I met the legend RC Knox. Um, I met, uh, Kent Miller. Mm-hmm. I met, uh, oh, on that, on that first trip, you met RC. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, RC mm-hmm. Knox, Joe Gillia, uh, Kent mm-hmm. Miller. Um, and I want to say Ross Miller was on that hunt too, but maybe not. Maybe it was a couple years later. And, but I'm trying to remember who cooked for us. I think it was Bob. Yeah, Bob cooking. I think it was Bob Hederman, Mm -hmm. the guy. So if people don't know who Bob Hederman is, when you hear our intro on the podcast, that's Bob Hederman's voiceover doing it. So, and, and look, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little off topic, but I want, Everybody to know that our prayers are with Bob and his family mm-hmm. as he's going through a tough time battling cancer. Bob, we love you, brother, and you know we're going. We're Thank we know you. we're going to see you on the other side, my friend. Yeah. So uh, we're praying mm-hmm. for you and your family, and our condolences go out to your family. And uh, if anybody needs anything from the Hederman family, please reach out to us and let us know what we could do for Mister Bob. Yeah, because you didn't really RC, you know. uh and it's kind of tough for him to say all that stuff. You know, they were literally brothers. It's brothers. a lot like me and Chav, how we are and, and how a lot of us have become. And RC's been an angel in my life, you know, ever since I've known him. And, uh, but, you know, there was no outfitting with Carl without that man right there, without yeah. RC Knox. Those yeah. guys were two and, peas in a pod. Yeah. I mean, Mutt and Jeff. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, those guys were as tight as they could be. In fact, uh, I, and what's so neat is, is I, I got to share in a moment where I, I pulled, I brought both those guys into my country and we shared a camp over there, um, yeah. in one of my favorite areas. And grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you. 
backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And had the haunt of a lifetime, laughed, enjoyed ourselves. And at the end of the camp, I used to have this thing that I would, did all the time where when I had a camp before I left it, I would shoot an arrow up into the top of a pine tree at a spot there um, to mark where we've had some memories and for that hunt. And there's a place that if you uh, pay attention and you look up into a pine tree up there, uh, you don't get to see any fletchings anymore. They're old double X 75s and aluminums and, and, uh, yeah. there's four arrows stuck up in the top of a pine tree in one of the most beautiful little spots that, that, uh, we had an elk camp at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was, I, I think that was probably our first hunt together as yeah, a hunt. It was. Yeah. yeah. That, that mm-hmm. we did that. And, uh, and you know what's so funny is anytime I'm hunting that country, if I'm within a half mile, I go by that camp and I look at those arrows, man. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's almost like I can see and hear everybody, you know, uh, right there in camp. What a good time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> some of the things that and stories I would hear and, and the way these guys were. And we just it, it was it was just, you know, th- we talk about what it does for us. Right you know, what elk camp does for us and what the camaraderie does for us and why we keep returning to that. And, uh, and that was pretty big. Now, Carl started doing some other things after that and he got involved with the Martins. And the first time actually I ever met Carl Gamage and, uh, young lady, uh, and, and I'm, I know the name very, very well cause she was my athlete and my student, but I'm not going to mention it on the air there. But, uh, I actually met Carl under not so good circumstances. Mm-hmm. His daughter was having to be disciplined on my track team. I coached both his kids and, uh, it was a hard thing. It was a hard discipline. You know, she ended up not being on our team that year and I had to have Carl come in there. Now you never know as a coach, when you call in a parent to say that your kid's not going to no longer be on your team and talk about why, you don't know how they're going to react to that, right? And uh this fella comes in, and I had actually, I think this is the first time I met him like this. I had bumped into Carl in the woods one time, and it was just like that. We didn't really know each other. So um uh, I call him in, and and... I go to talk to him and tell him what's going on. And I thought, you know, this dude, I mean, he looked like a bear. He not only hunted bars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in fact, uh, uh, 
this is a this is a picture of Carl with a with a bear that he took with the recurve right there. Yep. And uh, uh he uh he not only hunted bears, he was like a bear, man. Had that big old beard and stuff and he was rough and gruff and uh he's like Hey You wanna tell me what's going on? <laughs> and I thought, Oh, here it goes, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh and uh you know, I just told him, I said, Mr. Gammage, I said, I'm nice to meet you. And, and I went through the thing. And after I said what was going on, the whole time I'm talking to him, he's getting tears in his eyes. And uh, he said, I just want to thank you. He said, there needs to be more people that hold people accountable. And he also heard me tell his daughter that, you know, this isn't the end of it. Um, this is your team. I love you. And <clears throat> forward to having you back and after you make some changes and get everything in line and uh carl never forgot that and that girl not only got things in line that girl went into the military became a specialist speaking about i don't know how many different languages yes and Mm -hmm. i mean um Mm -hmm. is a tremendous individual um tremendous uh, young lady yeah, and his son Dave was, is yeah. just uh same thing. I had the pleasure of coaching both those kids. And Carl never – the first time I ever saw Carl at a track meet, and one thing that RC and these guys didn't tell you is that when Carl came to New Mexico, he didn't have a pot to piss in, man. Not I mean, one. Um, uh, I believe – I'm trying to remember which of his kids might have been, Janice, that was born under a tarp in a one-room uh, – place wow. you know um yeah when he he came up there bow hunting with uh with kent and them on some deal in the paper where he answered a paper deal to come the guy had backed out on a hunter got killed and he there was half price and carl had come up there and first time he ever hunted was up there around angel fire he told me he said that's it he came home told that's Sonny. when i bumped into him right there yeah yeah. Oh, you did, yeah. yeah he yeah, said, yeah. "I came yeah. home, told Sonny, we're moving to Angel, we're moving to New Mexico. My, me, and all my stuff is going to New Mexico." And she's like, "Not me." And he said, <laughs> "Yeah, you and there, I'm bringing the Dave, and we're moving to New Mexico." No, Dave was just a baby, I think. No, and, he wasn't uh, born yet. Or, <laughs> yeah, wasn't yeah. born. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. he's like, you, "If you want to be with me, I'm gonna be in New Mexico," and he left. Absolutely left. Kept sending Sonny money and stuff like that. And, but after a while, he said, you coming? She's like, no, I told you I ain't coming. And then when the money cut off, she said, Hey, I'll be there. <laughs> you know, so I'll be there directly. He's, you know, he said, yeah. I figured it, uh-huh. it took a hell of a lot longer than I thought. He said, but yeah. he came up, she came on anyway. And I mean, he was just like that. He, and dude, he had a cool life here, you know, had a cool life, but the mountains, was it for him. It just won him over. And he left, like Joe said, like a thief in the night and had nothing but the clothes on his back. Yeah, he, he came here and started with nothing. Um, started, I mean, he was just a worker, loved to hunt, um, loved to work hard, mm-hmm. did work hard, had a tire shop, he was a welder. But, uh, you know, just like Gilbert, you give that guy a call and, you know, hello. What do you want? And I'm like, dude, how do you <laughs> ever get any business like that? You know, he's like. <laughs> he was real though, man. And I've said yes, this man. a million times, real. And, you know, to quote JB and them, the guys from, you know, uh, from, from on Netflix, 
real recognizes real, Coach JB. Real recognizes real. And when you meet him, he is as real as it gets, man. And this group we got, everybody's like that. Well, when everybody's real, man. There's no fake in, in none of our games. I mean, you, you see us, you get, and I think that's why our listeners like it because we're the real deal. We, we ain't faking anything. Carl Gamage set this up so we could all be real. I'm looking at a picture right now of the first hunt that I did with Carl Gamage and I'm going to bring it over here because my buddy Bruce Gaynor painted a painting of all of us, a a watercolor painting of all of us. I'm fixing to go get it right now. And I'll let Joe carry on about, 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 uh, about what he, how he met Carl and stuff like that. Well, when, when I, when I did meet Carl, when his kids were, this is way before he ever became an outfitter, you know, and, uh, he was actually cooking for an outfitter at the time is what he was doing and did not have a whole lot. Like I said, this guy worked. You talk about blue collar. I mean, we're talking dirty blue collar here, man. This guy worked his butt off. And, you know, at that time, he did not have money, but he would come to those track meets with a camera and he'd take pictures of our athletes during the track meet and that following week, when we were going to a track meet, he would show up and hand me a stack. I don't know if you remember how you'd get them from Walmart or something like that. you get those little plastic envelopes that have all the pictures inside of them and stuff. Well, he wasn't even like that. He'd get these little albums, and he would, for every kid on our team that had photos, and, man, he made sure everybody had photo. he'd stick them in that little plastic album and bring it to me to give to those kids out of his pocket. He would go, and, you know, this is somebody that people, you know, you hear him talk and you'd hear the stories and you see how he looked and, you know, he'd get that gruff look on his face like that, like, you know, like he just uh, ate a sour apple or something. And that dude had a heart the size of Texas, man. It was unbelievable. So this is this is the type of man that I knew. And when, when I first uh, – we had the track team and well, Gil, you remember the first time you came out, right? I do, man. And, and here's a, here's the painting of all of us. My buddy Bruce is a real talented fellow, not only in Oldfield, but I mean, this is the painting of it right here. So there's Joe and me on the end down there and Bruce and Carl and RC. Everybody's, I mean, this is a one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't give me a million dollars for this photo. Um, or this uh, watercolor painting. I mean, it, it's one of my prized possessions, and um, it is where it all started, boys. I mean, this right, this hunt right here is where it all started for me and my elk hunting career. Meeting Carl Gamage was the first hunt that I ever went on with him. So let me uh, ask Manano and Luis, when, when's the first time you ever met Carl Gamage? At elk camp. Um, and so... The very first time I went to L camp, um, that, you know, that's when Gilbert invited me, um, you know, and, uh, it was With me and Tucker. Canadian. Yeah, me and Tucker. And, uh, <clears throat> we, you know, we just had around the, the campfire every night, Mr. Gamage would come to, you know, yeah, into the conversation. Off. Yeah, so Tucker got I, the opportunity to meet Carl. 
And so I have not. talks about him to this day. And and we, I I don't think there has been a day at L Camp and, you know, from that day that I have not heard of of Carl Gamage. So, and uh, the stories, I hear the stories and I've heard him so many times that I almost feel part of him, you know, (laughs) and, and, and I'm a, you know, there's, there's two things about Mr. Gamage that, that, uh, I feel close to him for. Um, one of them is, you know, obviously he was the link that one way or another put this group together. Yes, absolutely. You know, because mm-hmm. through him, he met Joe, you know, through him, he met Gilbert. You know, Joe, Chaff, Gilbert, RC, he knew RC as well. Gilbert was the link through me and then Manano. So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it all goes back to to Mr. Gamage. And for that, I will always be thankful um, uh, for him, you know. Uh, and because because I feel the same way as, as Gilbert does. I mean, this, this group is, it's it means a lot to me. It's, uh, I treasure this group of gentlemen that, that, that I share El Camp with. Yeah, and every day. And it just so happens, you know, the way things, you know, go around in life, um, Mr. Gamage was actually willing to move into a nuclear bow. Oh, Towards the end of his life. <laughs> and so, so Gilbert actually gifted him uh, a helium bow just like his, and uh, yep. I believe he he started shooting it, and he wanted the whole thing, right? I mean, or Gilbert, yeah, and, and you, you can tell me that you can tell the story of how he got the bow, and then I can pick it up from there. Oh, dude, dude, that guy gave me so much gruff about my bow, dude. Nuclear bow, you know? <laughs> well, it all, yeah. st- it all started because Big O and everybody were having a competition shooting from the main cabin across uh-huh. the canyon. I mean, d- across the creek and across the canyon into a corral. Over on, it's like 113, 118 yards, something like that. And we were shooting at a little block target, okay? And, uh, he said, I'll never forget him. I shot, I hit right above it into the daggum post. And he goes, RC, you gotta see this shit. Come out here. You know, RC was in the house. He's, you got to come see these boats. <laughs> just freaked out, man. I mean, seriously freaked yeah. out. We're shooting. And then man I dialed yeah. it in and I'm hitting the target. He's like, Oh my gosh. You know, so he was impressed with the way that we could shoot, you know. And uh I I was like, it you know, really didn't matter because everything I learned about shooting a bow ran out the crack of my tail in when I saw my first bull elk. And <laughs> he had some choice words. He told me what I was going to do when I heard my first bull bugle. And I won't say that because that's straight up unleashed. I might be able to tell that on Guy's show, but uh, on this show it's a little more PG. But, but straight up, he told me, he said, this gonna change. This elk hunt is going to change your life forever. You know, first of all, he's like, you fat bastard, you're going to have to get in shape. <laughs> I mean, he straight up just tell me, you know, he did not mince words or, or in, in anything. And I loved him for that. I mean, he called a spade a spade straight up. If he didn't like it, he'd tell you. 
But anyway, he saw those bows and it just enamored him. I didn't make it home after that, after that hunt. I don't know if it was our first hunt or second hunt, but he called me on the phone on the way home and he's like, well, you made it. I said, hell no. I said, I'm far from making it. I think I'm still in Fort Worth or something like that. He was, listen up here. He said, I like that bow you shoot. It's quiet and it's nice. He said, what if one of them bows? What one of them bows run? I said, I don't know, man. I said, uh, first of all, got to figure out what your draw length is and this, that, and other. So he sent me all his measurements and I measured. I said, you seriously want one? Yeah, but I don't want no, like, I want the top of the line, everything, you know, the top of the line. K, I want a case that I could take it to Alaska if I needed to. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll hook you up. So I hooked him up and. It was the least I could do for everything he had done for me. Um, you know, Carl, Carl and I's relationship evolved over time and me just not being a client, you know, and I can say this, you know, in my business, a lot of my clients are friends and they're not just clients. Um, we've built a relationship together. They trust me with their business. I trust them. Uh, we've made an unbelievable relationship and Carl and I were that way. I mean, when you bring a man sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year worth of business every year for five or six years, he's going to, you know, you're going to develop a relationship with him. And we had a great relationship and I felt like, man, it was something I wanted to do for him for introducing me to the legend RC Knox, to Joe. You know, I got to meet Chav as a result of all of that. Uh, Kent Miller, Ross Miller. I mean, you name it. Uh, the people that I've gotten to meet in New Mexico are just some of the finest people I ever, you know, Dave and, and Jan, Jan and, uh, Sonny, all his family. I mean, they were just such good people. Um, RC and his family, Joe and his family. I, all of that stemmed because, you know, my wife was so cool and gave me an opportunity to go elk hunting on my 40th birthday. But let me get back to, and I, I want Luis to, to carry on about that, but I also want to do something, uh, to say something about Joe and his track team that kept me on the grind. Uh, but I'm going to let Luis finish out. So I get Carl his bow. He starts shooting it. He's stacking arrows, man. And, uh, at the end of the day, he absolutely loved it. And the first hunt he went on, uh, I want to say the first year he had it, or maybe the second year he had it, he passed away. And Dave got the bow. Yeah. And, his boy, yeah. Yeah, Dave, his boy got the bow. And I don't know how you came across it. Uh, I don't remember. Did you and Ross talk, Luis? Or, cause yeah, I think Ross I, ended up with the bow. And, uh, no, and I think, I, I think it was either, it was either you or, you, you, you told or Joe, uh, yeah, told me uh, that uh they they were selling the bow that's that, right. uh and so I reached out to Dave yeah. and so you know I asked him how much he wanted for the bow and so you know we we had a deal and uh he mailed me the bow I believe and yeah. uh or I got it he gave it to one of you guys and then I picked it up I can't remember how I actually got it but at the end of the day is that every time I hunt with that bow, I call it the nuke. Right. And, uh, <laughs> because of a nuclear bow and, and I got it in April of 2020. I started hunting with it once I had it dialed in with like 
my right measurements and all that stuff. That was probably, I started hunting with it in November, 2020. And since I've harvested 20 animals with it, um, I've awesome. had, yes, I've had awesome. five white-tailed deer. I had three, three of them bucks. Uh, the biggest white-tailed buck I've ever killed was with that bow. And then I also killed four javelinas and 11 hogs with it. So, um, so you Carl's know, been hunting every, the whole time. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes yeah, on our elk hunt every year when Luis is yeah. there because yeah. he brings that bow to camp every year. Yeah. And so, so I hold that, that bow dear to my heart. I told get Beto, he's got dibs on it. If anything happens to me, but, uh, um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, it, that's kind of the way I feel about Mr. Gamage. One is thankful and two is even though I never met him, I, I hold him in high esteem and he gets to carry to a piece of him hunting with him all the time. You know, Hey, hey Gil, oh, before you, before you jump into yours, man, I, I want to chat. What was your first impression, man? Well, um, you know, to me, he was, you know, like Gilbert said before, bigger than life. You know, he, to me, he was like a character from a movie, you know, yeah. I was kind of enthrall- enthralled anytime you're around him. And, uh, you know, I just enjoy his company uh, and I, I think if I'm correct, uh, I, I think he could recite every line from Jeremiah Johnson. Yes, he could. <laughs> yep. And that, and that was probably the, that was probably the, uh, century he should have been born in. You know? <laughs> a mountain man. He was born, yeah, he was born a century too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, real generous guy. Uh, I know Joe yeah. alluded to it earlier, but not, I don't think today, in, today, in today's podcast. Yeah, I don't think he uh, mentioned this in today's podcast, but, uh, you know, he donated the proceeds of a guided hunt every year to, to our track team. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that amount to quite a bit of money and, and, uh, that helped build that program. And he was happy to do that every year. So, you know, he was real, real generous person. And uh, just an amazing person overall, you know. Like I said, he got us all together uh, one way or another. So, but if uh, I could, one thing, if I could, you know, everybody when we talk, one thing I can hear Carl on my shoulder, you know. Oh yeah, you know, and and <laughs> Carl was perfectly imperfect. I guess one hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and uh, he. <laughs> He never, he was always him, never played like he was anybody else other than that. And you knew where you stood. And that's one thing that I liked about it, you know, with that. And, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> he loved giving me a hard time. We had this, uh, uh, almost like a, it's, it's weird. It was almost like a, a brother, but yet father type relationship, you yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. uh, um, he treated everybody like that, though, Joe. Oh, yeah. He treated me the same way. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, man, I tell you, he'd give me a hard time about my four-wheeler. He'd give me <laughs> But, <laughs> but yeah. one thing is I always knew this, and, and this is how we gauge and how I've always gauged the people that I'm with. You know, Chav has always been somebody that I know I can depend on. Now that booger ain't going to be able to pull me out of the mountains, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you <laughs> this dude would run 20 mountains to find somebody that could, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I, he's somebody I've always been able to count on. And I always knew that if I got in any kind of need and any kind of trouble, Carl Gamage 
and what's going to be there. And, and I tell you what, he would be there <laughs> loaded for bear, you Ooh, know, man. And, uh, and, like and, I said and that's a thousand why, times, you're going to go fight hell with a water pistol. You won't Absolutely, you. man. Absolutely. And, and so with, with all of this and, and he was, I mean, the first time that I, I met, uh, Gilbert was because Carl had come to me because of special situations. He said, you know, um, I can't give money to the track program, but he said, you come out here and guide for me. I'll pay you this much and you do with what, with it, whatever you want. He knew exactly what was going to happen. So, you know, I would go over there. RC would go guide for free. Um, we'd have, uh, Hederman go cook for free out there, you know, and, and, and then you boys would come in and the rest was history. And that, that, that was the kind of the basis of all of that and how that started. But and, I, and he never, he never let that cat out of the bag till one night he and I got about halfway through a bottle of Weller together. Weller. And, yeah. <laughs> Weller, that was his, Weller and Wild Turkey. I, I want you to know we got into a, a big bottle of that Weller and we're solving all the problems of the world. And he told me, he said, you know, I want you to know that what you're doing here every year doesn't just support me. It supports a whole team of people and i'm like i looked at him and i'm like what are you tell you about? say <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about he said that big italian that's in there in the bed i said yeah he said he's the track coach in cimarron high school and rc helps him out i mean we all give but we can't give it all to the track program because then they split it all up amongst everybody so we just give it to joe and Joe takes care of the track team needs. Well, I've always been a given person, man. I didn't come from anything, but if I found out it was helping somebody, I 100%. And my brothers that are here right now on this podcast, they're some of the biggest givers you'll ever meet. Luis Gonzalez, he's one, got one of the biggest hearts you'll ever meet from a human being. Ask me how I know, and I will tell you, okay? Uh, and Manano, same thing. Uh, RC Knox, I, you know, here I am. I, I, I look in my, my box. I got something in this super special RC sends me this year. I owe you something too, brother. So, yeah. uh, when I see <laughs> you pretty soon, I'll be up. giving it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> I got you, babe. And I mean, all of these guys are givers, right? And if you're a coach, you're a giver. Right? You're giver of the most precious thing you got in your life, which is your time. You will never get that. It's a commodity that's, that's, that you can't put a price on it, right? But Carl was a huge giver and all these boys up here are. So when I found out that the little bit of money that I was, it wasn't a little bit, but the money that I was paying to, that went to Carl, he was donating a big portion of that to Joe and his track team. So every year, Joe would send me a disc on how his track team did so we could keep up with it all, Cimarron track team. So my wife saw that, and she's like, you mean to tell me that that, you know, we're helping to contribute to I said, yes, baby. She said, well, you're going to do that every year. I said, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. I'm going to do that every year till I'm dead. Till I'm dead and gone. And you, you're right. And, you know, I hadn't missed the only season we missed. Elk hunting was the one that where we didn't draw, but we came up anyway and hunted with Joe and Chav. Uh, we drew bear tags and I killed a big turkey. And we killed a turkey up there. And so, I mean, we ain't going to miss. 
You know, we're going to come elk hunting if hair lips the governor. But Carl was that way, man. He he gave back. And, you know, everybody that ever hunted with Carl always wanted to come back. You know, um, he was tough on the outside, but he had a real soft center. You just had, man, it was a lot to get through that outside to get to that, that gooey center. But, man, I tell you, the ones that could probably do it best was Jan, right? She could get to that gooey center pretty quick because my daughter's that way too, man. She can just kind of bat her eyes at me and it's all over with. Logan, too, to an extent, because I love him. You know, he was he a... He was a heck of a cook, too, wasn't he? I mean, he dude, dude was a righteous cook. And don't come up there cooking for him if you can't. Because he was a hell of a critic. I'm telling you straight up, I watched him toss a whole pan of biscuits and potatoes out in the middle of the field because the cook we had wasn't no bueno. Uh-uh, man. That didn't, that dog didn't hunt. He goes, he goes, big old, you're junior guide. He said, uh, damn cooks fell on his ass and can't cook a lick. He said, I'm going to have to daggum cook and you're going to have to guide. I mean, dude, he just thrust me into, you know, doing whatever I had to do. And I loved him for that. He had a, he had a belief in me that I could do this. I told him I wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to learn how to call. I wanted to learn how to do it all. And, um, you know, he said, look, it'll be my, my dying wish to see you up there in the mountains doing what, you know, calling and everything. He said, cause you're a hell of an archer. He said, you're a hell of a shot with a bow. He said, but you got to learn how to be a mountain guy. And the guys I got you hunting with are the best. He said, I got the best guys. He said, RC Knox, nobody better. Joe Gillia, Joe make a bull hassle a black stump. Okay. And if y'all want to put the words into it, y'all know what I'm talking about. But I mean, that's exactly how he felt. And, and look, man, when I hit the brush every day, when I hit the mountain, there's no doubt I'm hunting with the best guys in the world. Leroy Chubby, one of the smartest elk hunters I've ever hunted with in my life, could tell me the sounds to make when I didn't know how to make the sound. Do it like this. Do it like that. I mean, and we're calling bulls in. I didn't know what in the hell I was doing, but he did. <laughs> and he was teaching me the whole time. And such an unbelievable uh cheerleader, right? I mean, the guy's in your corner come hell or high water. Whether it was right, wrong, or indifferent, he's got your back. And those were the kind of guys that Carl Gamage rode with, man, and that he had in his crew. So I knew those were the guys that I wanted in my crew. And when Joe... When Joe came to me three years ago and said, man, you know, this, this seeing each other during the elk season only sucks, you know, what do you think about doing this podcast deal? And I was like, hell yeah, I love to talk, you know, they pay me to talk. <laughs> Shoot, I talk leg off a wooden Indian, you know, for sure. So, uh, I, I just knew that meeting Carl Gamage and having guys like RC Knox who, who've been a cowboy there, Look, like, I'll never forget this elk season. Uh, one of the guys, I don't think it was, I think it was Adam, uh, Mike Messner or Adam asked you, what, what is it that won't make you want to be a cowboy? And RC Knox said, well, it's romantic. You know, there's a romantic side of romanticism to that pain that you got to go through to be a cowboy. You know, and I think that these guys were real cowboys. R.C. Knox, 
Carl Gamage. I mean, these guys were real cowboys. And we all cut out of that same type of mold. You know, I grew up on a farm and a ranch my whole life. And I mean, um, we come from that. Yeah. Do I live in the steel and, and concrete now? Sure. But my heart ain't there. My, I mean, my heart's in the, in the hills and the mountains of New Mexico and South Texas brushland, New Mexico Red River. I mean, that's what we love to do, you know, but all of us are together. Because Carl Gamage gave gave me and these guys an opportunity to be in his in his crew, right? I mean, when you were on your Carl Gamage's crew, guys, let me ask you a question. When you showed up to camp, what was on your beds waiting for you? Check. 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 How many of you guys worked for an outfitter where you had to chase him down to get your money? <laughs> Yes, sir. I mean, yeah. look, I, I worked for some guys out in West Texas, and when you got it for them, man, you better get your money up front because by the time they, they, they hit the gate, there wasn't no getting your money back, right? Carl Gamage was not like that. When you spend five days on a ranch with Carl Gamage, you're getting paid when you get there. And, it, and look, if you knock it out, you knock it out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, we've got one other guy here that, has never met uh met Carl in person but uh I can remember I can remember a camp this year and you know it's, I, I was playing stuff and and if you look at our elk bros photo this year I gave a lot of the guys one of those photos and um if you look at that my wife was looking at it and she's used to New people coming into the mix because we're always developing new coaches. You know, we got guy in here. We got Cole. We got Eric. You know, and uh, that's that's our Elk Bros. Let me let me. I'm gonna go ahead and pin that up here. Um, this was our Elk Bros camp. This is our camp for 2022. This is our hunt together that we do. And guys, we have to hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean. This is what we're passing. And if you look down in the corner there, that Elk Bros team buckle, that's R.C. Knox that makes yeah. those buckles down there. And uh, he's just incredible with that stuff. Only team wife, members have them. My, my wife is looking at that photo, and she's looking over. She goes, well, who's that guy on the end? Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, um, I, I, I explained it. And I said, you know, this is, this is one of the buddies of, of Manano and Luis that came in and, and he was Special cooking guy. for us at camp. And as far as we're concerned, man, I tell you, it's like, Carl, you're a cook, man. You're in high honor in our camp, right? And, yeah. uh, and what was so cool is our camp had that flavor, man. I mean, he's, he's an incredible singer, musician, and he's singing, um, uh, music the whole time latin venezuelan um and he's he's singing that and just such a cool vibe with that and he got to be part of something that we have done and when when gilbert talks about this this whole thing started because we were like we're going to still hunt so we can honor carl gamage as a group that's why this originally started and um and you know when they were talking about the weller and stuff like that, that's one thing that I never did coming into camp, right? I mean, that's something that I didn't do on hunts. Oh, every now and then I'd have a, a beer here or there, but that just wasn't me. And we're uh, the first year out after Carl uh, were doing this hunt. Everybody comes together and they had some 
Well, it was in our elk camp, and that's when it happened with Luis and them oh. up there. And, and uh, they brought, I'll never forget it, man. It was Apple Crown is what it they was. Held you down and poured it. They held you down and poured it down your <laughs> neck. No, and, and they were like, are, are, are you going to do a, are you going to do a toast with us? And I was like, nah. And then I thought about it and said, you know what? For this reason, heck yeah, man. And, uh, and that, the, the devil's been making me do it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Manano got to be a part of that. Yeah. The kids, uh, <laughs> And there you go. <laughs> that, I remember you had something really cool to say at camp this year, Manano. I mean, you got something special out of that as well. Did you hear that, y'all? I've got to take a second from the show to tell you about the Enchantress call from Slayer Calls. This call, it gets you the most realistic bugles and cow calls I have ever heard from an external. Look, the folks at Slayer Calls designed this external call to act just like a human tongue. So literally, with the push of a button, anyone can use this bad boy to bring those puppies running. Look, if you struggle with diaphragm calls or you have a partner that's just not able to call, y'all, this right here is your ticket to sucking those bulls right on in. If you want to try the Enchantress, which they're calling the Elk Slayer now, to put me in your freezer, then just use our code. It's one word, ElkBroSlay. Again, that's the code, ElkBroSlay, on SlayerCalls.com. Yeah, um, Carl, I, well, as you know, I, I, I didn't meet, uh, I didn't meet uh, Carl. But uh, what amazed me is... Uh, all of you talk about Carl in a way that I can personate that that guy in in either, each of you. And uh, I have practiced many sports, yo, and uh, dirt bags, golf, horses. And I I wouldn't take a photo with Tiger Woods, but I would die for take a photo with Carl Gottman. <laughs> That's the kind of you know the person that I that I am so I uh that's gonna be uh I mean car for me it's kind of a hero yeah. he put together all this group and in his spirit you can see his his you know car gamage and the horseshoes and the trees and the mountains because I have seen those things yes and uh, when you find a match carl gamage and look there's not a year goes by i don't find a horseshoe i don't find a horseshoe i I have found several yes right Mm -hmm. up there you know where i do right on the top (laughs) yeah yeah so it's it is amazing how he put this group together and how he can still uh be living with us yeah, be present at Amongst elk us. camp and not even an elk camp here. I would, I mean, I, I will, I will, if I, if I go before you guys, I will be crying if you make a podcast of me, about me, like you are making a podcast, like we all are making a podcast for Carl right now. So that is, that is amazing. So that's even when I hunt with the boys in, in Oklahoma with them, mm-hmm. we toast Carl just about every night. Right. 
You know, right. because Manano can't oh, let just you go all night excuse, without feeding you and <laughs> yeah. a little bit of whiskey. But look, I, and, and Manano's been with me on several harvests when I oh, yeah. killed bulls, and we always, he got a little bit of libation with him when we when we get it done, man. It's always a celebration. Don't push and, me to uh, say what you say all the time yeah. when I pull my thing. But yeah, exactly. yes, I got sure. good stuff. Yeah, he always got got good stuff, and man, it's a celebration, man. We celebrate Carl every time we get a a chance, man. And what a what a more fitting way to kick off 2023 than to kick it off with a man who started the whole thing, man. You know this. For our listeners coming up, this year's going to be awesome, man. If you thought last yeah. year was good, y'all better hang on to your tailbones because it's coming. <laughs> well, we, as Dion Sanders said, we coming. We coming. <laughs> and I ain't hard to find. And, bro, you don't even know this is happening, but we're going to end this in high style. We're going to end this with a story about you and Carl in a blind down by Bear Pond. Oh. Now. So, oh. Uh, you have the I'll floor. grab my whiskey. <laughs> so this I'll is classic call damage. When I tell you he'll walk through hell with a water pistol, you want him at your back because he is not scared of anything. He and I were in a really special place uh, up in an up in an area they call Bear Pond or around there. And dude. We, he had a blind he liked to hike up to and get in this blind till about four thirty-five o'clock and then the elk started coming down the mountain and there was a big wallowing pond there so i mean everybody has you know he likes sitting up there and and listen to the elk and hear where we needed to go well this this time we've been sitting up there and look man i'm fat as a mud hog and I'm like 325, 330 pounds. Right. And, uh, he's like, he finally got my fat butt up there. So we get in the blind and I've probably sucked up all the oxygen out of that area <laughs> because man, I'm about to die. We get in there and sit down and he's brought snacks and all kinds of stuff. Like I'm some little kid, you know, and uh, he's got crackers and you know, <laughs> I'll never forget dude. He, he's, he's got the, one of them water balls in there and he he steps on it he goes Krack! and man we had some elk talking at the time and i looked at him and i said well i don't think that's any good about <laughs> the hell up. i'm the guy you ain't sit there and be quiet you know what i mean so i mean he just look dude he would talk to you like that too man yeah so i was like all right no no problem i just sat there you know i was giving him just as good as he gave back and i look up and coming down the trail is a giant black object. And I'm like, oh, 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 I know what that is. I'm like, I know what that is. It's moving, you know, and (laughs) ambling, you know, along. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, uh." he ain't seen him yet. And I'm like, and you know, we had gotten there, and when we got there, the blind was all mashed in, <laughs> oh, kind of yeah. tore up, and he set it back up, and I said, man, what do you reckon did all that? He, oh, he's just grumbling and setting it all back up. He didn't say anything. Well, he knew exactly what did it, right? Knew what the hell did that exactly, but he didn't say jack crap about it. So we're sitting there, I'm looking at this animal ambling down this this trail, and I look at the trail, and the trail goes right up to the blind. And I'm like, 
oh man, this he's kind of headed this away. He's got to go around the pond, right? Man, he don't even look at the pond. He just comes right around the pond. And I'm like, oh, uh, he gets around the pond. He's probably about 60 yards from me. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I bang him. I bang on his leg. He looks at me like I'm, you know, dumb. Bothering him, yeah. Yeah, like I'm bothering him. He looks at me like, what? And I said, <laughs> I just point like that, you know. And he looks out there. He goes, oh, he goes. Bear. That's all he said. <laughs> bear. And I'm like, yeah, that's a bear. So I come in, I get my bow ready and everything. And I'm kind of moving around and he's digging in his backpack and he looks at me and, uh, and he, he's like, he wanted to know what tore this blind up. <laughs> said, yeah, he goes, well, there he is. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, oh, my God. You know? And I'm like, I cannot believe this. I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot this bear. I don't have a bear tag, though, right? I'm thinking, well, hell with that. I don't care. You know, I just don't damn care if that bear's going to come in here. He's going to get his ass shot, you know? So, man, I, I get right there and the bear walks. I mean, like, stop a second, look in that blind. So, dude, you are him. basically scared of this bear, right? That's dude, dude, yeah, I don't want no part of him, man. I mean, <laughs> you've got an animal there that can fly eat you, right? And he's big, dude. I mean, a big old sucker. He wasn't no little 200-pound bear. This is a big grown bear, right? And, I mean, he walks up there and he'll stop about every three feet. <laughs> You can hear him grunting and growling, you know. You can see the whiskers on his face. That's how defined. I'll never forget it. That bear walks straight up there, man, to the front of that blind and looking around like that. And Carl's, Carl's looking at me and he's looking at the bear. Man, when that bear got within six feet, I drew. And he goes, no, 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 no don't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, shoot that bear he's gonna come through here and make us like swiss cheese he's gonna eat our ass up he says don't you shoot that bear he said just wait i'm thinking wait ass i'm shooting this bear this bear's way too close he's within six feet oh no he got closer the bear shoved his head all the way up against the corner of that blind. And you know, it's got a, a window where it comes down in that corner. He shoved his nose in that blind. He goes, <laughs> and you could hear him go, <laughs> chop them jaws like that, <laughs> like that. And he stuck his nose right on the end of the blind like that. And Carl, I'll never forget it, dude. I saw Carl drag his hand back like this. I'm like, what is he going to do? And he goes, Boom, dude. I mean, he hits that bear square in the middle of his snout and the bear goes, and he just backflips. I mean, backflips and gets his leg hung in a dadgum, uh, log jam. When he gets his leg hung in that log jam, he thinks we got him. So now he's biting his own leg to get it out of the log jam. I mean, freaking me out and the log comes apart here goes the bear running up the hill and he stopped right at the edge of the pond about 60 yards away and i'm i'm like about to hyperventilate i'm still at full draw and carl looks over there at me and hits me on the leg he goes 
You can shoot him now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go home. Let's, let's go back to the Oh, elk hunting's done. We're going back to the house. He said, you big pansy. He didn't say pansy, but that's what he said. <laughs> I thought you boys from Texas were tougher than that little old bear come over here sniffing around. I said, little? You hit the bear in the snout. And he goes, well, it was better than him coming through here and making Swiss cheese of our ass. I'm like, I never in my life. He was not scared one second of that bear, man. He was more scared of me shooting that bear and that bear going crazy and tearing us all apart in that little video blind, man. I'll never forget that as long Just as I live. Just big raccoons, bro. Just big, big raccoons. raccoons. Big, big, big raccoons that can eat you, man, when they're hungry. And that bear was, had, he had some white men on his mind that he was sniffing around, dude. He had, he had, you could see it in his eyes. He had menacing eyes, Joe. I know what looking. it is about you and bears, man. You attract bears, bro. <laughs> I do. Some of the best bear stories. I do, man. And them suckers. He jabbed in with me when we had one hopping around us and thought about eating us too, man. And that is why bears in the United States get a pass from Big O. I ain't hunting them. I ain't shooting at them. They could have eaten me a couple of times, and they spared my big fat ass, and I am not killing a bear in the United States. Now, Canadian bears, look out. We're coming to Canada. Canadian bears might be on the hit list. So. Well, that's yep, a great way to, that, That's a great story to close this on, man. Uh, anybody, before we get out here, anybody want to add any, any closing mm-hmm. thoughts? Because, you know, the whole idea, um, the whole title of this um, podcast is going to be meet Carl Gamage. That's what's going to, and, and I, I hope that you guys got some flavor. Um, I hope you got a, there's so much. I mean, there's so much that, uh, that you could talk about. I mean, this guy and how much he loved, uh, his dogs and, you know, little bandit and what, <laughs> what the bandit. Shank. <laughs> name Shank. Oh, Shank. Shank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. You know, you know, uh, I got to tell that story real quick, man. He loved Bandit, and Bandit was a one-man dog. Son, he was. Let me tell yeah. you. Oh, baby! If you wanted to get in Carl's truck, son, no, no, it wasn't go. Carl's truck. Yeah, no, it was Bandit's truck. Bandit. Damn right. Listen. <laughs> And I, I got it. I got it. Before we go, I got to tell that story. Carl left me in that truck alone. My first hunt with him, and he left me in that dog alone. And listen, that dog would eat a grizzly bear's ass up. I ain't lying, dude. That dog was mean, and he wanted to bite you if Carl wasn't there. I don't know why, but he liked biting people. And I'm telling you straight up, that dog would look at you in one eye when Carl got out. He forgot his decoy that morning. He got out about. 200 yards from the house and run back to the house. And when he closed the door of that pickup truck, and when it slammed, that dog went from, where's Carl going? <laughs> I mean, dude, got all over me like a rat on a Cheeto, son. Well, me and him had to come to Jesus meeting in that truck. I beat the hell out of that dog back in that back corner. And I thought he was going to get me, and I got me plenty of him. We went to town and got us to come to Jesus meeting, right? Well, he comes back in there, and there's fur flying everywhere, man. And, I mean, it smells like a dog. Slobbered everywhere, you know. And he comes in there and he said, 
say, oh, I'm about half out of breath. You know, ain't no freaking air up there anyway. Here I am fighting a big ass dog in the back <laughs> and a cow dog at that. Meaner than a snake, man. He ain't scared of nothing. But I kind of got my bluff in on him and he, uh, he gets in and he goes, what's the matter? I said, Man, you left me in the daggum truck with Cujo. I said, and that son of a bitch went ape shit on me. He said, what? I said, yeah. He goes, he don't look like he's doing nothing right now. I said, no, because I beat the hell out of him. I said, listen, Carl, don't leave me again with that dog. If he tries to buy me, I'm going to kill that dog. He said, if you kill my dog, you're going to die too. I said, don't leave me again, dude. The dog was trying to bite. Oh, hell, that dog ain't gonna bite you. You know, I'm like, that dog wants to bite everybody, son. You know, I said, how do you not see that? He's like, oh, hell, he's all right. So everybody would want to go use Carl's phone in the truck. Well, Bandit's always in the truck. So you ain't getting in to use that phone unless you deal with Bandit, right? So he would say, just get up in there like you own the truck, you know. Just get up in there like it's no big deal. I'll never forget he sent Bruce Gaynor down there to that truck. And <laughs> that truck and that dog eat his ass up, boy. He come running back to he bit me on my arm and my leg. And I said, I don't understand, Carl. Bandit was so mean. He would be in the on on the back of the mule, and he'd be biting and barking at. He'd be biting limbs as he drove by. Yeah, oh, yeah he'd bite them. Bite yeah. the limbs and every the grass and whatever, man. I mean, he was crazy. And I, Carl, he, Bruce would say, like, "You got to come with me." I said, "Well, you done got him riled up. He'll probably bite me now." So you know, I just jump in the truck, man. Get in and grab the phone, and I look. I look over there. At, the thing is, you don't look at him, right? You look at him, lock eyes with him, man. He was on you like a rat on a Cheeto, boy. But I mean, I, I look over there at him, and he he'd already been that round with Big O. He was cool, you know. He didn't like me being in there, but he tolerated it, you know. So that was one thing, and I won. I won Carl over because, uh, oh. Oh, Bandit didn't bite me, but when he got Shank, man, uh, Bandit kind of got a little soft. But you remember the story about him losing Shank for like oh, yeah. 29 days, man. Yeah. Shank was lost in the woods, and finally he came back. And Carl oh. cried. He said, I cried like a baby when that dog run underneath the porch. I mean, yeah. like I said, there was 29 days in the woods. 29 days in the woods by himself, yes, when he built that porch on the cow camp. And uh him wow. and Ross and a bunch of them. He shot at a coyote, and that dog couldn't tolerate that gun going off. And he run off and never come back. 29 days, gone. And he come back with a bag of bones, been eating cow turds and everything else, man. But, yeah, uh Carl's dogs were awesome, but they were just like Carl, man. Really tough on the outside and kind of softer in the middle when you got to know them. That's for so sure. So, everybody, hold up the hand. You betcha. Hold up the hand. Here's to us and those like us. Damn, few <laughs> left. Here's the Salute. 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 <laughs> Close this out, Bigo. Well, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. you got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, all our listeners out there, if you'd like your questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yes, sir. 
And for all our grinders out here, even in 2023, here's some more music from our brother Tony Wintrip to close out the show. Peace, peace, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Wait for 2023. Gonna be epic. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. He knew how to earn his keep with a wall there. He could look anyone in the eye. Never was afraid of goodbye. Strength was unimaginable. Through the darkest winter storm. Never was above the norm. Never done it, he would tell you so. Never complain, it's the way life goes. A man on top of the world didn't fall there. You can see his veins through his t-shirt, determination on his face. Never heard of the word failure. Never credit. Thank you.